0: Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast, presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger.
1: My guest is Emmanuel Acho. He is a New York Times bestselling author and the host of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. His groundbreaking online series to drive meaningful dialogue around racial insensitivity and ignorance launched in June of 2020 with more than 80 million views to date. Emmanuel is a Fox Sports analyst and television personality. He co-hosts Speak for Yourself on FS1. He has a master's degree in sports psychology from the University of Texas. You can find more about him online at UncomfortableConvos.com or follow him on Twitter at Emmanuel Acho. Emmanuel, how are you?
2: What's up, my man? What's up? It's good to
1: see you. Man, your star has just taken off in the last year, and I'm so happy for you because I know how hard you work, and uh, it's just great times for you. But I I really have taken notice of everything you're doing, And, and the first question I wanted to ask you is, how do you approach discussing a sensitive topic? Because you've done such a great job talking about topics that a lot of us are afraid to talk about.
2: It's a really good question, Brian. I think the first thing I try to do is stand in the other person's shoes, right? Like the the very first thing when talking about anything controversial is really let me stand on both sides of the fence and try to speak on behalf of both parties. Typically, whether it's uh, an issue about men and women, well, let me try to put myself in the shoes of a woman. If an issue about Black versus white, well, let me try to put myself in the shoes of a a white person. If it's an issue about anti-Semitism, well, let me try to put myself in the shoes of one of my Jewish brothers and sisters. Let me try to stand in someone else's shoes. We are intrinsically selfish. We are inherently selfish people who are always concerned, first and foremost, with self. So before I ever dare speak on a topic, I try to not think about myself, but let me think about the other party and what do they have at play? What do they have at stake? What are their fears? What are their freedoms? And then that's how I navigate my dialogue.
1: The other thing I marvel at is your ability to go from talking about sports on FS1 to talking to the masses about topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, and social justice. How do you do that?
2: Uh, A gift from God, first and foremost. I think, um, honestly, I I found my calling, you know, about a year ago, and just kind of realizing that my calling was being a bridge for racial reconciliation while my career is in sports. But I figured out, like, I've tried to figure out the nuance of being an orator, the nuance of being a communicator. And even when I talk about sports, Brian, if I'm being real, I try to always talk macro about life before I bring it into the micro, which is sports. Not everybody cares about sports, but everybody cares about life. So even on speak for yourself, my sports show, when I'm talking about an issue, whether it be um, the discrepancy in March Madness between the men's, Uh, weight room and the women's weight room, that's a life issue. That's a gender equality issue. There are always issues that may appear to be sports related, but you can go bigger picture. And so I'm always trying to stretch myself. Don't just take the lazy route and talk about sports, but make the macro the micro and vice versa.
1: What responsibility do companies and other organizations have to train and educate people in areas of diversity,
2: equity, and inclusion? The utmost, I believe, to whom much is given, much is required. And that's in an individual level for Emanuel Acho as now I've been given a lot. And I think obviously that speaks on a company level as well, to whom much is given, much is required. Companies are in a position of leadership. Whether they like it or not, they are in a position of leadership. And so rather than being, as I put it, rather than being the thermometer, be the thermostat, right, a thermostat, it changes the temperature in the room. The thermometer, it simply reads a temperature of the room. Companies have the ability to change the climate in our culture, change the racial climate, change the diversity climate, change the sexist climate. Don't just read and assess the climate but change the climate. And each company has an opportunity to do so first within their own organization, and then watch the domino effect and collateral damage of how their organization puts pressure on greater organizations and society at large. And so I believe companies have um, the utmost responsibility.
1: Are you seeing progress in the last year, since you really started speaking out on this more, in the world at large, are you seeing progress?
2: Of course, we're all seeing progress, I believe. But uh, we have to be cognizant of the deficit we're coming from. And so progress is great, and it should be applauded. But I also believe that good is the enemy of great. And so let's not become complacent with good. We've seen some corporations go from you know, 80-20 diversity to 70-30. That's progress. That's good. Um, but let's be great. They say the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just that little bit of extra. And so we have to continue to do that little bit of extra so that we can be extraordinary as a society instead of just ordinary. I won't be so ignorant as to say we haven't seen any progress, we haven't seen any change. We've seen progress and change, in my opinion, in the hearts of people and in our society at large, but we have to keep going. In the corporate world,
1: are you seeing any new and innovative practices in regards
2: to social justice? You know what? I'll say new, but it's really not innovative <laughs> because nothing that I have submitted and nothing that corporations do is really all that novel or innovative. It's really just like, hey, you should listen to the um, to the uh, minority groups in your company. Yeah, right, it's not crazy. It's not some brilliant ideology. It's just like, you know what, if men dominate the industry, why don't we, you know, spend one time a month, twice a month listening to the women that work here? If white people dominate the company, why don't we spend twice a month listening to the black brothers and sisters that work here and learning about their experiences? Um, I also think even the social media teams, which are typically the front facing aspects of a corporation, now they're becoming more diverse. Because if you're only running a tweet or an Instagram post through one set of eyeballs, then imagine how that might land. So I think those are the things we're starting to see.
0: More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion
1: continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit OpenSesame.com today to start your
0: survey. Back to Learning Unlocked, here's Brian Berger.
1: What advice would you give to anyone who wants to give voice to a cause that they care about, that they're passionate about, but may be hesitant about doing it?
2: Do your research. The last thing you want to do is be loud and wrong. Mm. (laughs) There ain't nothing nothing worse, Brian, than being loud and wrong. And you just think you're right. And I said this on air the other day. The uninformed rarely realize they're uninformed because that's why they're uninformed, right? right. And so typically, people will want to like go out and make a statement or go out and do this or say that. It's like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Do your research first. Make sure you're accurate. In this day and age, so many people are delivering so much information. But never worry about being first. Be concerned with being right. And I put that out uh, several weeks ago. regards to some topic i was like i didn't care to be first i just wanted to be accurate um and so man do your research because here's the other thing we also live in a very volatile society where even if your intention is pure if your action is incorrect you will face backlash right that's this new topic of cancel culture and more than cancel culture really accountability it, it do not really matter about your intentions, because our society hasn't hit a point of maturation to be able to properly decipher between intention and action. And as a result, we just cancel everybody, which I have an issue with. So because of that, make sure you don't be wrong. Brian, all my conversations, whether uncomfortable conversations with a Black man or uncomfortable conversations with a Black boy, which I'm sure we'll discuss, this conversation is like walking a tightrope. Because I am very cognizant of one wrong stat, one wrong fact, one insincere opinion, being too delayed on a topic, and all of a sudden, everybody will be coming from my head. So do your research and be accurate. A year
1: ago, a lot of people, a lot of companies on social media, they put the little black square out there. Everyone was doing it. Are we going back and keeping score of the companies who did that? and? may not be practicing any better than they were before what are we doing here man
2: well first man let me tell on myself i never posted a black square i didn't do it and i didn't because i said look if all i'm going to do is post a black square to lend my contribution to racial inequality and social injustice then shame on me now if I feel the need to post a black square in addition, okay, we can have that conversation. But like what did posting a black square accomplish, right? The goal obviously was to raise awareness, but so many people, you know, posting their beach pics on Monday, then it was blackout Tuesday, then back to their beach pics on Wednesday. And I'm just like, what was the reason? And so I'm not keeping score of these companies because honestly, I don't care about your black square. I care about your commitment. I don't care about your Instagram posts, right? Like, I want to see commitment. I don't want to see a caption. That's what I posted on MLK Day this year. Let's see your commitment, people. I don't care about captions. Let's see your dedicated resources in your corporation, your dedicated resources with your companies, your dedicated resources in your household
1: right so we mentioned earlier uncomfortable conversations with a black man huge success 80 million views online now you've got uncomfortable conversations with a black boy coming out the book why the follow-up why the book what what led you to do this
2: (sighs) we're currently in a society where we're all trying to cut down the branches of racism we are trying to uh, pluck the leaves of racial inequality, but I've thought to myself, why don't we just address the roots? Why don't we just fix the soil? And the roots and the soil are our cho- children. The roots and the soil are our youth. So rather than sitting here and trying to axe off the trees and trying to pluck the leaves, I'm like, wait a second, ladies gentlemen, let's just fix the roots. Because Brian, when I was a child, I often heard Emmanuel you don't even talk like you're black. Emmanuel. you don't even dress like you're black. Emmanuel. you're not that black. To the point where Brian and I had an identity crisis. I was like, I mean, I'm dark-skinned, and every time I look into the mirror, I look pretty black, but maybe I'm not black. I, I went to an affluent school, predominantly white. They didn't mean anything by it, but they were unintentionally malicious. They were killing me emotionally, involuntarily. Brian, just like we have levels of murder within our judicial system, first degree, second degree, third degree, there are levels of racism, and we all need to understand that. First degree murder, premeditated. Second degree murder, it's a crime of passion. Then you move down the rungs of murder and you get to involuntary manslaughter. It was not intentional, but it still led to death. Same thing with racism. First degree, I intentionally, maliciously say the N-word, It's owning slaves. Second degree, it's what we saw with the murder of George Floyd. Then you move down the rungs to involuntary racism. Emmanuel, you're so smart for a Black man. Well, Emmanuel, you sound too educated to be Black. And so I wanted to dispel all these degrees of racism at a young age, because typically it is racial ignorance that matures and becomes racism. So let's dispel racial ignorance while it's in the embryonic stages with our youth before it can ever give growth into racism.
1: So I got to ask, why uncomfortable conversation with a black boy? Why not with white boys, too? Because if the racism is starting in the soil,
2: aren't white boys responsible for that as well? Yeah. So the, the, the title obviously is kind of a play on words. work. I and as you'll see when the when um, no, as you'll see in, in, in the book cover, which I posted, y'all can see it on my social medias, you'll see a younger picture of Emmanuel Acho Right? The picture on the front is supposed to be kind of young me, but on the back, you'll actually see a young picture of me. I am the figurative black boy having this uncomfortable conversation with my counterparts. Gosh. So you are having the uncomfortable conversation with the younger version of Emanuel Acho, the black boy, as I was and am the black man who you are having the uncomfortable conversation with. I'm just preemptively having this uncomfortable dialogue, if you will, um, with the readers. Got it.
1: I think it's great, I can't wait to read it. Um, Again, get it on amazon.com and at bookstores today. Um, I wanna talk to you about a few other things that you've been working on. The Bachelor. I mean, you've really crossed over now. Now you're in the mainstream, man. How did that come about? And have you been overwhelmed by it? Because Bachelor Nation
2: is, they're feverish. Yo, Bachelor Nation is more passionate than any (laughs) sports fan base out there. Um, Well, I'll start with how I've been overwhelmed. No, thankfully, I've been really prepped for this moment, right? I faced a ton of backlash, a ton and filling in for Chris Harrison. Like some people just hated me because I was a new guy. Um, but you're used to that, right? Like Whenever you give a sports take, 50% of people will love you and 50% of people will hate you. Go on my timeline at this very moment that you all are watching or listening to this conversation, and somebody will say, Emmanuel, you're a genius. And somebody will say, Emmanuel, you're an idiot, based on the exact same thought process. Um, so I, I haven't been overwhelmed by it. How did it come about? Man, I just think my life this past year has really been a matter of the man meeting the moment. Uncomfortable conversations, I met this moment of racial insensitivity. And I think everything I went through in life met, bred me for this moment. You go to a predominantly white school, but then you play football in predominantly black culture, but you're Nigerian American. So your parents come to America with a blank canvas and they get, and everything is brushed onto the canvas of your own life white culture, Black culture, Nigerian culture, all the cultures, so you can understand it. Um, And so now The Bachelor meets this moment of the first Black Bachelor, 25 seasons, Matt James. He picks a woman, the love of his life in that moment, Rachel Connell. but then racially insensitive photos surface of her. So now Matt's in a dilemma. I'm a Black man who's professed my love for this white woman. However, this white woman has racially insensitive photos leak about her since I professed my love for her, and the whole world has now seen it. Help. Um, And then in the midst of that, the host, Chris Harrison, he steps into hot water, and here I am. So it was really just the man meeting the moment, and I hope I honored Bachelor Nation and really just did the world proud. No, I think Mm -hmm.
1: you're doing a great job. Um, Speaking of the man meeting the moment, you're working with one of the media goats, Oprah. I mean, if you can sign a book deal with just about anyone, Oprah has got to be at the top of the list for most people. You've got a two book deal with the media goat, Oprah. What's it been like working with her?
2: Man, it's, it's almost like anything. When you are trying to <clears throat> become great at something, you look at those who came before you. I played linebacker in the National Football League. I played at the University of Texas prior to playing in the National Football League. The reason i wore number 11 in high school is my high school football uniform is because there, there's a linebacker at the university of texas a great linebacker named derrick johnson who wore number 11. and i watched youtube videos of derrick johnson teaching myself how to play the position again my parents born and raised in nigeria football to them meant a black and white circular object obviously being soccer so now talking media oprah's a phenom oprah is arguably or inarguably the best to ever do it, at least the conversational piece. And so who do I look to? I look to her and thankfully I have a friend in her. True story. Before my conversation with Matt and Rachel hosting The Bachelor, I went back early 2000s and watched clip of Oprah and Tom Cruise. Remember Tom Cruise jumping on the couch professing his love to whom I believe was yes. Katie Holmes at the time? Yeah. I was thinking, Brian, I said, how in the world did Oprah get Tom Cruise, Mr. Mission Impossible himself, Tom Cruise to jump on a couch, right? So just like game film, I true story, went back and watched that whole interview. And I said, what did she ask? How did she ask it? What was her delivery? What were her follow ups? How did she get him there? And so having Oprah as a advisor and as a friend for someone who was trying to ascend to those heights in the industry, uh, it couldn't be more meaningful.
0: More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this.
1: Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today. By visiting opensesame.com/backslash
0: course of the week. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger.
1: True or false, you have also received phone calls or a phone call from former President Barack Obama? <laughs>
2: um, it's true-ish. Okay. So I, I received um, a call, an email from his team. Um, as Barack Obama has so many amazing things going on, former President Obama, and he has an incredible new podcast going on right now with Bruce Springsteen. And so um, he their team had reached out kind of to engage with former President Obama on that podcast. He ends up answering one of my questions. I very simply asked, hey, what's the cure for racism in your mind? If you had one magic cure, one fanciful elixir, what would it be? Um, And he actually responded, specifically to me saying my name and all that. So if you would have to told me I'd hear from Oprah, Roger Goodell, Matthew McConaughey, former President Obama in the last nine months, I would have called you crazy.
1: That's amazing. And again, you work as hard as anyone I've ever known, uh, both you know in football and in business and in life. So I'm so happy for your success. A couple more questions before I let you go. Uh, I saw the video of you at Warn My Heart. You surprising your dad, your 70 year old dad with a car for his birthday. I think all of us dream about doing something like that for our parents. Uh, Did it live up to what you hoped it would be that moment?
2: Dude, amazing. Um, Honestly, like you work so hard in life to be able to give to those whom you love. It could be your father, your mother, your children, your spouse, whoever. But like, I don't do all this work, Brian, like for me. People think just because just you're doing a good thing does not mean it's not taxing. So everybody, oh, uncomfortable conversations like, yeah, but I burst my vocal cords and couldn't talk for a week because I was speaking so much about racial reconciliation. So just because you're doing a good thing doesn't mean it's not taxing. And so all of the vexation I've dealt with and the incredibly taxing journey this has been is really made worth it when you can like bless your father who did so much for you Um, by buying him, you know, the the Range Rover of his dream. So it was a blessing.
1: That's amazing. All right, last question. If I'm a CEO of a sports team or of any business, uh, if I'm in HR and I'm listening to this right now and our organization is struggling with diversity, equity, and inclusion, we don't know how to start the conversation. What's your
2: advice? Um, My advice is, Do not assume that the blind can lead the blind and understand that you don't know what you do not know. So if you are a white CEO, a white male CEO, and you're trying to have conversations about diversity and inclusion, my advice is instantly talk to women and talk to people of color. You can't fix a problem you don't know exists, and you can't fix a problem that you don't know the intricacies of, and you can't serve a people if you don't know the people whom you are trying to serve. So instantly diversify your thought process so that you can do the most good for the most people. There's nothing worse than like an ill-advised action. So advise yourself before you act.
1: Emmanuel Ocho, you can find him online, uncomfortableconvos.com. Follow him on Twitter, Emmanuel Ocho. Get his new book, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Boy in bookstores everywhere. I'm so pleased with your success and proud of you and uh, keep up the great work. You're a, you're a real bright voice in
2: this world of ours. My brother. Thanks so much, man. Good to see you. Thanks for listening
0: to Learning Unlocked presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.